Good morning, everyone. I also would like to welcome you all to Sunday service. I'd like to start off with reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda. These are prayer demands uh, to the divine. In this, entitled God's Boatman, I want to ply my boat many times across the gulf after death and return to earth's shores from my home in space. I want to load my boat with all those waiting thirsty ones who have been left behind, that I may carry them to the opalescent pool of iridescent joy. There where my father distributes his all-desire-quenching liquid peace. Oh, I will come back again and again, crossing a million crags of suffering. With bleeding feet I will come, if need be, a trillion times, as long as I know that one stray brother is left behind. I want thee, O God, that I may give thee to all. I want salvation, that I may give it to all. Free me then, O Lord, from the bondage of this body, that I may show others how they too can free themselves. I want thine everlasting happiness, but I want also to share it with others, that all my brothers may find the way to happiness forever and forever in thee. And so today's topic of soul receptivity I just recently was tuning into this prayer, this poem, God's Boatman, and I realized now I could be a little off here, so don't take this as doctrine, but, you know, we read the first half of this prayer as if it is the guru speaking to us, that eternal promise, no matter if we're the literally the last one, he's coming for you. He's going to be there. That's the eternal promise and how beautiful that is. And then there seems to be a shift in this poem. Isn't it so? About halfway, it turns to, I want thee, O God, that I may give thee to all. And then it it continues onward in that same spirit. And it clicked the other day that, you know, Guruji is giving us perhaps the the answer here so that we are not the last one. (laughs) (laughs) And literally... He gave us this prayer, and he said, this is the highest prayer. Lord, give me thyself, that I may share thee with all. And there lies this flow of today's topic of soul receptivity. We know, we've been told many times by our guru that the channel is blessed by what flows through it. It's an important thing to keep in mind, especially when we find ourselves in the dark woods of forgetfulness, how do we get out? One of the ways that we can get out is by opening ourselves increasingly to this flow of grace from the guru, the flow of grace from the divine, by first invoking that presence through our sadhana, through our service, through everything we do, keeping our mind on God, but then also using that prayer, give me thyself so that I can give thee to all. Yogananda in many ways said that God can ignore that prayer. So it's really, if I say nothing else, let's walk away with this assurance that if we use this prayer with deep devotion, it will reveal onto us the, this eternal promise. <clears throat> uh, just recently, I was in, 
I was blessed to be in India. And uh, there was a few of us, um, a few of my Indian brothers, we were in Calcutta for a little over a week. And it was truly such a blessed time. And one of the days, or just to say that when we landed, we flew from California to Mumbai, then straight to Calcutta, and we promised each other we wouldn't sleep. We would just hit the ground running and try to saturate uh, ourselves all over Calcutta as much as possible. And so one of the days after we landed, a little, of course, jet lagged, as you can imagine, we set out to find Ram Gopal Muzumdar, which was something that I was a little hesitant because I knew it was in remote West Bengal in this little village called Ranj, uh, Banjpur. And it's certainly a, a village small enough that you can't find it on Google Maps. There's no Google <laughs> directions that you're going to plunk and find yourself there. And so a few of us uh, set forth to Tarakeshwar, which if you remember in the autobiography of a yogi, the chapter, the heart of the stone image, where our guru is off on this similar journey to find Ram Gopal Mazamdar. And Ram Gopal was, uh, as Yogananda said, he was an avatar. Um, as he stated in the autobiography, there was only a few saints that he mentioned that were truly um, liberated, and Ram Gopal was one of them. Um, and so we set forth in that spirit of holding hands with our guru and saying, let's go try to find Ram Gopal. So we drove in West Bengal, we drove perhaps, I don't know how many hours it was, it was long, four hours or so out in the remote um, paddy fields, banana groves, and we arrived at Tarakeshwar. And this was quite the experience. It was um, very, very chaotic, very hectic. Um, I was aware that Westerners are not allowed inside to the Shivalingam, but I figured I'll put my best uh, Indian samskars on and give a, just give it a go. So I had my hair down, my malas, you know, just uh, sadoing it up and thought maybe I could, I, I sat in the sun that morning to get a little suntan, you know. But lo and behold, we got to Tarakeshwar. I was not able to get in, but I got to the door before the priest said, you're a Western, get out of here. So I was close, but I could see, I could see the, the lingam. And um, it was a very powerful experience with just recalling this journey that our guru went on. Now, the one thing that we all talked about before we got out of the vehicle was, let's make sure to bow at the stone image. <laughs> we don't want to go forth in a similar way as our guru. So even myself, I made sure I bowed a few times to make sure that was settled. <clears throat> and so we continued on the journey to find Rome Gopal. And very similar to our guru's journey, paddy field after paddy field, we would stop and ask someone, do you know Ram Gopal Mazumdar, where we can find? Oh, just one krosha, one more krosha, one more krosha. <laughs> so, you know, hours were going by. We were, we were traveling in the middle of nowhere. And um, me, myself, I just was surrendered to the experience. I just thought... Uh, my brother Sai Ganesh must know where we're going, or this, this other person, this other um, Bengali must know where we're going. So I had that trust. Well, unfortunately, they didn't know where we were going. 
<laughs> so it was interesting. My heart felt so free and felt so joyful on this adventure until that moment that I realized, hey, no one knows where we're going. <laughs> so I noticed this shift that happened where I felt so free and joyful. We we're on this adventure to starting to worry. Gosh, you know, um, where am I going to eat my food? I started to have these flashbacks of Jatendra in the Two Penniless Boys in Brindaban. I was, you know, starting to grow and being concerned. It was extremely hot, very uncomfortable, all the whole list. And so we kept driving and driving. And then finally, one of our brothers who had a, a very strong uh, chai addiction he, he saw this little chai shop in the, on the side of the road. And he, every chai shop, he wanted to stop. So there was a part of me like, let's try to find Ram Gopal, and let's not stop just now. But we stopped at this tiny little chai shop in the middle of nowhere. And also, this was located on a, a street corner. So we stopped there, and we were just joyfully embracing uh, the experience having chai. And just at that moment, this, this uh, older gentleman pulls up on his motorbike and he said, well, of course, we asked the chai shop, do you know where Ram Gopal Mozamdar? No, no, no. Do keep going, keep going. So this man on a motorbike pulls up. You're looking for Ram Gopal Mozamdar, isn't it? I can show you. And we thought, oh my gosh, we just were dancing with joy. And so this gentleman literally takes us down the road that we stopped at about 10 minutes. We were right there at Ram Gopal's. So beautiful. And how he, we said, how did you know? He said, the Westerner. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad I could be of service during that trip. So what little service I did provide. But so beautiful this trip was, and so many lessons that I took away from this experience, where the, the first thing when we talk about soul receptivity, you know, just as my journey, the guru is always with us every step of the way, inwardly and outwardly, guiding everything. But we can close ourselves off, just as I know that switch that got hit, when as soon as I knew, nobody knew where they were going, I started to tense up. I started to doubt. Are we ever going to get there? Is this worth spending a full day in the middle of nowhere? We could have been meditating at uh, Master's home or wherever in Kolkata. But so that started to close, I could feel that energy starting to close off. And so one of, the th one of the lessons in this is that tendency in us to want to give up. You know, we of course know if we can open ourselves to the divine flow, there, there's nothing that's impossible. So there is that, though, that egoic tendency of wanting to just throw in the towel to give up. When the ego sees everything outside and measures everything and sees this is not going well, and clearly it wasn't going well. So it's very easy to be convinced on that side. But we as yogis, we as devotees have to step on the other side and to go inside. Just as our guru did when he came to America, we all know the story where he was on the, the ship, the city of Sparta, and he was asked to give a lecture. 
in English, which he had never done before. And he was trying to cram studying English before the lecture right up until the moment where he was standing up. He did not know how to, to give a lecture in English. And what did he do? He prayed to his guru. He said, Shri Teshwar, I need you. And he heard those words in his consciousness. He, he heard, you can speak. And then our guru gave this beautiful lecture, which all everyone afterwards just was sharing how beautiful his English was, how everything was so, uh, so perfect. And so just for us too, we have to, rem to never give up First, go inside and to listen to the silence of our souls, where in there lies that, that whisper from eternity, that whisper from the guru, who can tell us what's next, because the guru knows the full picture. Divine Mother knows our, our journey ahead and what's required. And so the more we can entrust in that, the more we will find ourselves exactly where we are looking to be at that particular time. And we can trust that. But the other thing, as our guru once said, that God sometimes deeply tests those who are very near and dear to him. And I was reading recently a letter that our guru wrote to uh, Oliver Black. And Oliver wrote, uh, who is a, a disciple of our guru, and he wrote a letter, Oliver Black, uh, to our guru asking for his prayers and to share with him that he had lost his son after World War II. And, you know, our guru responded in the way of, you know, life is just very uh, challenging. There is just so many tests and on so many levels, it doesn't make any sense. And this is why the importance of soul receptivity, because this life doesn't make sense. Our guru went on to talk about how he lost his temple that he built there on the, the bluffs in, um, in uh, just seaside, um, Encinitas, yes, thank you. And he then, he, then he, he used the example of when, you know, he lost his own mother, how hard that was for him. And he said, he prayed to Divine Mother, how cruel are you? to steal away the diamond of my mother's love from the ring of my heart. How cruel is that? But, he said, Divine Mother knows what's best. She knows what needs to happen to bring all of her children back home. And so just the same for us, that the more we open ourselves more fully to receive everything that comes to us as seeing it coming from the Guru's grace, no matter how small or how big of shifts come into our life, first and foremost, we must seek that uh, divine counsel in meditation, in our prayer, through our gurubais, to empower ourselves to not cut ourselves off when we're tested. Because this is the true test, that we remain ever increasingly devotionally focused on calling to the divine, for the divine intercedence, rather than for us to scramble trying to figure everything out in our life. It's too exhausting. So let's call on the divine through prayer, through opening ourselves, through all the different methods that we're, we've been given to continue to empower this 
this journey ahead. Now, as I was sharing the story of my West Bengal adventure, you know, life in so many ways is not a vacation. In some way, I was on pilgrimage, but life can get very serious and very hard at times. And, and so this is where, you know, I think our guru in this reading that Jaya read, he said, some of you will fall, but it needn't be if you will stay in tune. And so there lies uh, an important message for all of us that we will be tested, and, but we have to remain ever vigilant in our discipleship, in our practices, that we don't slip from the influences of karma. I remember reading, uh, listening to a talk from our guru talking about, I'm tired of all this talk about karma. And why he was saying this was he wants us to empower our lives with that divine spark of divine vitality, of power, that we don't have to be victims to our, our karma. We can continue to rise above it. And what makes us, what, what makes us out of tune or what, um, what pitfalls can we fall into? What closes ourselves off from being receptive? One, one thing, there's many things we could speak of, but one thing I was thinking of is that pitfall of thinking that master is somewhere far away from us. And isn't it so that when we struggle the most, it's, it's when we don't feel that presence of the guru. We don't feel that, that divine warmth from divine mother. And we feel we're doing it on our own. And this is where we can slip into, ah, what's, what's, what's it worth? But the more that we can remember that we can take that experience of feeling the guru with us always, it helps us to stay in tune. There was a, just a story, Sundara and I led a weekend retreat a couple of weeks ago, um, which we had one person, and we were like, well, you know, should we lead this retreat? Uh, let's contact the individual, let him know at least that this is not gonna be perhaps the retreat that he was expecting. So they tried contacting this gentleman and email and text and phone calls, and he just wasn't responding. So we thought, well, Sundra and I both felt inspired. Let's just do the retreat uh, if he shows up. So I said, okay, I'll go to dinner, and if he's there, we'll go forth. If not, om swaha. So I showed up for dinner, and there was this, this gentleman wearing a cell phone around his neck, which I thought was quite uh, <laughs> ironic. I didn't say anything. I was about to say, hey, we tried to call you, text you, email But we sat and had dinner, and it was the most difficult dinner I've ever had in my life. Very challenging. Why? Because he looks so much like Master. He resembles Master to none other. It was so sweet. I was catching myself feeling so emotional with talking to him. But also, I was on my best behavior. Because <laughs> I thought, is this you, Guruji? <laughs> Coming in here, testing me, testing us all, watching us? Like, I just, I'm going to play it safe. 
So we had this dinner, beautiful soul. He's going to come for karma yoga. I think the plan is next year. Um, beautiful, receptive soul. It was the most powerful weekend uh, that Sundra and I did with this, this soul, who is a beautiful soul. And I remember I went home later that evening because of the experience of uh, we had a satsang after dinner, sharing the teachings and just getting to know him. And it was this, as if I was with Master. And I went home and I said, I felt so uplifted and so in tune. And I thought, and he had never been here before. He read the autobiography about 10 years ago or so. And I got home and I felt as if I just had gotten back from a Kriya initiation. And so I remember I, was, I sat and I meditated and prayed to our guru. And I just, I appreciated this experience for whatever reason it was being given to me. And then that thought entered my mind, which I'm sure it was Guruji's thought, to say, why shouldn't you try to do this with everybody? And so we see each other, we serve with each other, we're at service together. The more that we see the Guru everywhere, the more that we will feel his power, his love, his consciousness, shifting our life more succinctly to the goal of finding God. I want to close with two things. One, the, the, the second part that I wanted to talk about is doubt. And so often, similar to the other stories, we can doubt that presence. But the more that we invite the divine into our daily life, invite that guidance, invite that grace to take control and for us to practice letting go, practicing surrendering to whatever may come. Because when we doubt, we close ourselves off. Versus when we trust and open ourselves more, the more that we'll again find ourselves moving more succinctly to that goal. I had a really beautiful experience when I, when I was in Pune with Jayaji and Jyotishan Devi and Aditya and other, just so many great souls there in Pune. And so I spent a, a little over a week in Pune. Um, and one morning I was walking to meditation. I was about 15 minute walk from the beautiful center that they have in Pune now. And so I was on my way and this, I heard this motorbike coming, uh, tracking me in some way. And it then pretty much just pulled out the side of me, blocking me from walking. And this young, actually older man, he got off his bike and he just, he's just saying, Jai Guru. And he was so enthusiastic about me being there. Earlier, earlier on, I, in, in Pune, before this experience, um, I'm kind of jumping back, but the, especially the four days before this experience, um, one of the details that Nayaswami Aditya had was to try to increase my ability to ab absorb spices in my body. <laughs> so he was trying to increase my spice levels, which I was enthusiastically going on in this journey with him. And so we were on the last day of this journey and my stomach was just torn to pieces from just too much spice. I reached my level. So that morning when I woke up, my stomach was just destroyed, you know. 
And, but I was trying to get myself ready for meditation and I thought, I just need some food. I just need something like a banana or something, <laughs> something to calm this fire in here so I can meditate. But I had nothing with me and it was early in the morning and I just said, Divine Mother, I just, this is going to be tough, you know, but got my stuff, headed off. And this is where I, I stumble upon this uh, gentleman on the bike. And he's just so enthusiastic about seeing me. And I thought, what's going on here? And he just was asking my name and where I'm from. Um, he invited me to do puja at his house later that day. Um, it was just so beautiful, such a beautiful exchange. I shared about Master, invited him to come to Ananda. But after this like 30 minute back and forth, he spoke little English and of course I spoke tiny, tiny Hindi. And uh, so we had this beautiful time together. Again, a very odd experience. And then after this time, I said, I, I have to go to meditation. I think I also had to go to the bathroom. So I was, you know, <laughs> saying, I got to go, I got to go. And I was pulling myself away and he just didn't want to let me leave. But finally he's like, okay, okay. Call, give me a call. <laughs> he gave me his number. So I started walking away. And just as I was you know, about 30 seconds away, he just screamed my name. He had nothing on him, nothing. But he held up a banana. <laughs> And I just, I felt Divine Mother in that, that offering so beautifully that, you know, first and foremost, we have to be mindful of what we ask for because I could have asked for samadhi that morning, you know, but I asked for a banana and I get a banana. But joking aside, it is something we should be watchful of. What are, what are we praying for every day? What are we asking Divine Mother for? She's more ready to give than we are to receive. So let's be mindful of what we're asking for to have that courage as Sister Gyanamanta would have sitting before the Guru. Change no circumstance in my life. Change me. If we can sit before the feet of the Guru, before Divine Mother, and ask that with an open heart, she will bless us in ways that we will find ourselves free in this lifetime. I want to close with this prayer from our guru. I'm just going to read a few lines of this to um, get the spirit of his fervor of his prayers to Divine Mother, to the Lord. So I'm just going to read this just for a few moments. And this was after an eight-hour meditation in 1934. So let's feel our guru praying with us. Oh, beloved spirit, supreme love divine, we are held in thy bosom of love in the omnipresent light and joy of the infinite Christ. Before thy love, my love is little. It is but borrowed from thy love. O Christ, in ecstasy of happiness, our hearts are united into a vast altar whereon thine engulfing presence is sparkling unceasingly. Father, mother, friend, beloved God, take away all things that I have, even the body, Naught else matters but that thou art with me, thy consciousness, thy spirit, thy love. No more fame, no more name, no organization, only thy presence evermore. My only wish, may thy love shine forever in my heart, and may I be able to awaken thy love in all hearts. Father, may we ever feel thy joy, O divine ocean, vibrating beneath the wave of my consciousness. 
As a wave, wavelet, I was tossed about in the storm of ignorance. Now I feel beneath every particle of my being the supporting presence of thy vast ocean of joy. Oh, what joy! Oh, what peace! Oh, what bliss of thy being! The fountain of thy joy burst forth in our souls, obliterating all consciousness of time. Joy, joy, joy. We bathe in the fountain of thy happiness, in the bliss of thy presence. O oh, Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, I mean it. I mean it. Take away everything from me, if it will be thy will. Let me roll in the joy in the dust at thy feet. Om. Om Guru. God bless you all. Om Guru.
Oh. 